Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members as well as NFP and Partners Financial experts. Hi, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. I'm Kristen Williams, and today I'm joined by Warren McGuire, who is the Managing Director at NFP Insurance Solutions up in Chicago. Warren, thanks for coming on the pod today. I appreciate it. Kristen, thank you for having me. Let's jump right in. I hear you've got some great charitable planning cases to share with us today. Yeah, so um, I've got a couple different cases that you know I could talk about. We had a uh, a client who, you know, for all intents and purposes, didn't have any real insurance insurance needs, right? She was super successful executive at a Fortune 100 company. Um, she is married, no kids, twenty million dollar net worth. The husband works. They don't spend a lot, you know, from from every perspective when you think about where the insurance need is. It really didn't exist. She self self insured, and she really didn't have anyone she cared that much about from a wealth transfer legacy perspective. But um, she really loved her alma mater, so um, she had this big intention of leaving a, a large amount of money to her alma mater at death. So in her will, it stated that she would leave five million dollars to the university. Um, and essentially when her advisors were looking at that, they said, Hey, is there anything that could be done here that would be better and more tax efficient? So we kind of looked at it and said, if we bought life insurance for that same $5 million, we would essentially recreate the, the legacy gift that she wanted to, to give, but we could fund it today. And therefore, we could have this big tax deduction while she's working and, you know, offset a large amount of income um, at, at top tax rates. So ultimately, what we did was we called the university. They said, we love this. Um, you know, we did it anonymously, which I think is very interesting because, um, you know, they want to know who is behind this potentially large gift. And we... Um, we kind of got some specs from them on what it looked like. And ultimately the client took a million dollar premium. So got a tax deduction for a million dollars, turned that into 5 million. Um, and then, you know, the university gave her credit for $6 million of gift. So, you know, from the client standpoint, she got this great tax deduction. She got, tons of recognition, articles written about her. She was given a uh, a chair in the engineering department for it. Um, and from the university standpoint, um, I was told, and I, I think this is super interesting, um, they're so used to the hamster wheel of always bringing in new money. It was such a relief when they have, when they have people do life insurance planning um, it's such a relief for them because it's in cash inflow that just comes at some point in time that they can repurpose. But what they really like is they got to say that, you know, she gave a $6 million donation and now she's sort of the poster child of like, hey, you should give the same amount. And what people don't know is she really gave a million dollars 
um, of which all of it was highly appreciated stock. So it was really like her giving, you know, 700,000 of true dollars to get all of this credit. Um, and, you know, if you take it account for the tax deduction she got, it was really like she gave, I don't know, $350,000 um, and gave this amazing gift to, to a place that she really cared about. So she took 700 ish of stock, gave the stock to the school, the school sold it and used that to pay the premium. Yes. Yeah. So she gave a million dollars of stock um, mm -hmm. and uh, it was from a company that she used to uh, be an executive of. So she got it at basically zero um, and the stock was now worth a million dollars. And so she donated it to the school, school sold it. And then they did a single premium to fund the, the $5 million death benefit. Sometimes when we have people who want to make a big legacy gift to a charity or a school or something, we run into issues with the carrier in terms of the insurable interest. I mean, we've been giving them $100,000 a year for however many years, right? And then all of a sudden, now we're going to give them a million and buy a $5 million policy. Did I see you smiling. Did you have that issue here? We did. We had a big issue there. Um which was she had really no giving history. Mm -hmm. um, I think in the past three years, which is what they were looking at, she had given $25,000. Mm -hmm. um, and as you know, that's not enough to right. warrant a right. million dollar donation, a $5 million death benefit. Um, what we were able to do is we worked with the carrier um, and essentially we made a case for why there was an insurable interest in her for the university. So there was two really nice facts that came along with this case. The first was um, she interviewed candidates for the engineering school, specifically okay. female candidates for the engineering school. Mm -hmm. And she did about 30 candidates a year of which she had a success rate of like something crazy, like 29 of the 30 would end up going to the university because of, of that interview um, mm -hmm. or you know, conversation. So we were able to make this case that that 29 you know, students times 40,000 a year of tuition, um, you know, there's a big, you know, revenue driver from her to the university. Um, so that was one of the, the ways that we talked about it. And then the second was the company that she was with, um, they started a program with the university um, where they sort of did like a co-op scenario that she was in charge of. She kind of ran and, you know, it was great exposure for the university and obviously her company and that partnership sort of drove, you know, more admissions, more, um, mm -hmm. you know, more insight to wanting to be, you know, part of that engineering program. Mm -hmm. So between those two things plus the small giving history, we were able to make a really strong case of why, you know, that university had an insurable interest in, in the client. It's interesting because it sounds like she and the company that she ran were very engaged with the university. But from the carrier standpoint, it was really just they had to make a monetary argument, right? Correct. Yeah. Um you know, she had all this engagement. What I think, you know, ultimately is part of the reason why she didn't have a big history uh, is that she felt like she was giving so much already 
And, you know, I think in her mind, giving dollars wasn't as important as giving her time. Um, and it, I think that's still the same concept of why she liked the idea of leaving it at death, right? She thought, while I'm alive, I can do everything for the school. Uh, and then when I pass, I can essentially do everything I can via this monetary gift. Um, but as you and I both know, there's a lot of benefits to giving it today versus waiting until death. Do you think she'll still make the $5 million gift in her estate? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think she will. Um, ultimately, she's now left, became the CEO of another Fortune 100 company. Um, she has continued to grow her net worth and um, her connection to the school has, I think, only gotten stronger because of this. So there's definitely a chance she'll still put something in her estate planning to leave to that to that school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's interesting the point you made about the school themselves and the way that they viewed life insurance. I think a lot of times there's a notion that charities and universities don't want life insurance, but your experience was the polar opposite, right? Complete opposite. Um, you know, I think what they don't want is the same thing that the carriers don't want. They don't want a, um, you know, a person to commit to paying a lifetime premium and the school is hunting them down for that donation every single year. Um, mm -hmm. They don't want a policy that could lapse, right? Like they've had things where it wasn't the greatest scenario for them, but because of the size of the school, because it wasn't their first time doing this, and I could maybe talk a little bit about some other scenarios where we did something similar, um, you sort of saw that they knew where to drive the conversation from a design standpoint, mm -hmm. it kind of got rid of all their risk and just made it a great asset. Just like we all love insurance for its characteristics. They loved it because, you know, at the time they were getting two or 3% in corporate bonds and they had essentially a 5% guaranteed return at life expectancy mm -hmm. in her policy. Um, but I think that goes to the, you know, she, they wanted a single pay. They wanted to have guarantees. They knew where the traps were. Um, right. And, you know, for those reasons, I think they like that asset. So as usual, it's helpful to have an informed owner of the life insurance. It is. Um, what's interesting is, so because of that case, we the advisor we were working with took it to another client of theirs. Very different specifics because this person had a lot of giving history. So mm -hmm. from an underwriting perspective, very easy, um, mm -hmm. but different in the sense that it wasn't a big university. It was a small boarding school. Okay. And, you know, they had never really done that before, but we liked it from a planning perspective. The client loved it from a planning perspective. And he had such sway and influence on the boarding school that they listened to him. And it was interesting because we got to come in and basically create the specs for them, right? So we said, hey, here's what you don't want to do. Here's how you want this to be designed. And, you know, we built it very similar with long guarantees and a single premium. We talked about less than five years of premiums. Mm -hmm. um, and we basically gave them the roadmap for if they ever have another scenario like, hey, this is how it should be done, but also, hey, maybe call us for, <laughs> uh, you know, confirmation that it's being done correctly. 
always call the professionals. So some of the things you said to them, what were some of the things you said, make sure it doesn't look like this? Um, what we told them was make sure it doesn't have a life pay scenario or even maybe like we told them less than five years. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say like anything over 10 is probably crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. because you know, people change their mind about their philanthropic goals and, and, you know, their financial situation could change. A lot can happen in 10 years. Right. And I think from the university or the nonprofit standpoint, what they like is they take in these scenarios, a revocable gift and make mm-hmm. it irrevocable. Right. Um, but if it's done over 20 years, there's a lot of time where that could go sideways. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we told them that they would probably want to see guarantees to 95 plus, um, you know, not that we don't love, you know, policies that don't have those strong guarantees, but for someone who is not going to be necessarily overly engaged with the policy mm-hmm. for the next 30 or 40 years, um, and they can't really maybe come up with the extra capital to pay a premium, mm-hmm. Um you know, we like the idea of it being fully guaranteed, um, at least to 95 for them. Yeah. It also gives this, the nonprofit a lot of comfort. And if anybody were to ever question this, why did you accept this policy? Then they're going to say, well, it had these nice long-term guarantees. We're going to get this money eventually. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing I think that's really kind of cool and and a good idea um, for other advisors um, around the second case. So the first case was easy because she had all this earned income. She was making a couple million dollars a year. Um, we were able to, you know, use 30% um, is what, you know, we were able to use from a, a giving a, of, um, you know, appreciated assets. Um, for the second client, we used cash to fund it. Okay. Um, and, what was interesting is he didn't have much earned income. And so what we ended up doing was we converted a very large IRA to a Roth IRA to create that earned income. Mm -hmm. And then we offset it a large portion of that with that 60%, you know, essentially um, of that Roth conversion with the cash donation to the, to the boarding school. You mean you offset the taxes that occur on the conversion? Correct. Yeah, with the deduction from the gift. That's a really clever idea also. If you've got somebody who has a really large IRA, using it, coupling it with the charitable gift, and of course, life insurance is a great idea. Yeah. Um, And so what was really great about that scenario is when we did that planning, he realized that he saved like a crazy amount of money in taxes mm-hmm. by just doing all of this. Right. Um, and ultimately now he had money in Roth IRA that would you know not be subject to RMDs, be a very tax efficient asset to leave to the next generation, all of those great things. But when we equated what the savings were for him, it made him realize like, hey, I've got all this extra money. Right. <laughs> um, and he ended up doing two insurance policies for his grandkids, like his two kids' kids. Mm-hmm. So, right. um, you know, we basically did another $4 million for each branch of the family. So $8 million in additional insurance for his grandkids. Um, and the way that 
he sort of funded that was with the savings on taxes mm -hmm. that he made on the on the Roth conversion. Yeah, I love it that you can do a nice charitable gift, use the found money from the deductions and buy more life insurance. That's a great story was, to share. It was a great, uh, a great outcome. Mm -hmm. Well, Warren, thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing these really great charitable stories with us. I feel like so many times we hear about a charitable strategy and there's something overly creative and questionable about it. And these two were just really nice cases of using the leverage of life insurance to um, sort of enhance and fulfill a philanthropic goal that both of your clients had. So I appreciate you sharing those stories with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I urge everyone to go look at, at clients' estate docs and see if they're leaving money at death because it's better to do it now. Absolutely. Yeah.